Well, good morning, everybody. I, uh, I want to just take a moment, and we got, uh, we got some people over our student center. I just want to welcome uh, Steve and Alex, Brian and Deb, Will and Ben, and then we've got a bunch of people online. Um, actually, Helene Ahern and her husband all the way from Virginia, Ray- Raymond Arcand, Scott Ducharme is in Japan right now watching. Um, I, think, I think that's probably the furthest away that people are tuning in. Jan um, Butler, Lori Gildart, Fred Shaw, Roxanne Caparino, just want to welcome you guys. Thanks for joining and being a part of, uh, of what God's doing here. Um, it's funny, I was talking to a bunch of people in Connecticut. I was at a, a wedding yesterday, and they're like, you're taller than you are on the screen. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, we watch, we watch every week. I'm like, I don't even know who you are um, from Connecticut. Um, so thanks for joining in if you're watching today. Um, we, we're in like a, uh, a series going through First Peter. And um, <laughs> if, if you have yet to be offended by Peter in this, uh, in this letter, then he is sure to offend you today. And uh, my hope is that this message would be an equal opportunity offender to our flesh today. And you're like, oh, awesome. That's, that's what I wanted today. That's why I came out to church. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you've, if you've read ahead, if you've gone through in First Peter. Uh, these are one of those uh, portions of Scripture that, well, quite honestly, I would, I'd probably rather skip over and hope you didn't notice. Um, because there are many portions of Scripture that, uh, that we would rather ignore. Um, and I've said this before, and I was talking to, to Steve Frank this morning, and he's like, you know, um, you wouldn't want me to be your pastor if I skipped over this. Um, and part of, the, part of the thing I love and I hate about going through a book of the Bible is that we're forced to be confronted with the entirety of the Word of God, not just the parts we like. Not just the parts we're comfortable with, not just the parts that we want to put on a Christian mug and sell and make a lot of money off of. Um, and this is one of those. And so um, my prayer is as we get into the Word of God today, that it confronts our flesh, um, especially in a day and an age that we're living in right now, and, uh, and that we wouldn't leave this place the same. Uh, that the Word of God has the power to mine the gold out of everyone who hears it. And uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do. Amen. So if you're with us and are in person or maybe you're home, would you mind standing and, uh, as we honor the reading of God's Word today? That'd be awesome. All right, so we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2, right where we left off last week in verse 13. And we're going to read to the end of, of chapter 2. He says this in verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but to those who are harsh. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. 
he committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, and now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Um, even if it hurts, uh, I thank you for your word, even if I'm, I'm, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. Um, I pray that your word would go forth and that it would, um, it would change that what you want to change in me and us and uh, that we would grow. And sometimes growth comes through pain. And so, Lord, we just thank you for, for your word. We ask that it, it would mine the gold out of us today, that we would hear your spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks. Wow. Huh? Yeah. Think about how my, my week was uh, reading through this uh, and, and, uh, and like, Lord, okay, what is it that you're wanting to speak to your people through this? Um, this has been uh, historically a very difficult portion of Scripture, a diff difficult portion of the New Testament. Um, but I would say that it is even more difficult when believers are going through a season of uh, political or emotional unrest. Not unlike today. Um, many, I was just talking to some guys this morning. I was like, I kind of wish that I was preaching this like, I don't know, eight months ago. Everyone been like, oh, okay, that's fine. But uh, today, in the, in, the, in the place that we're at, it, uh, it takes a different, a different flavor for us. The thing that I want us to realize as we read through the Word of God, that is, this is not simply an old book. This is an eternal book, right? So this is, it's, which means that it's timeless, which also means that it's always timely. Um, what do I mean by that? This is, this is what I mean. I just set, 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 set this at a, as a premise because this is all the stuff that's, that's going to be rolling around in you as we read through this and process through the Scripture. I mean that it's timely and timeless at the same time. And um, what I'm saying is that Peter is not talking about Governor Janet Mills. And he's not talking about President Donald Trump. He's, he's actually not referring to Black Lives Matter or defunding the police. He's not writing about COVID-19 guidelines, wearing masks, and social distancing. Um, he's, he's writing actually about something that's far more important. Your heart. Um, because regardless of the, the thing that we're dealing with in our world, whether this in 64 AD when it was written or Every time since, God is really concerned about that one thing. It's always about your heart. And um, as I've been reading through this, my flesh has been pretty offended. And specifically because God always seems to be more concerned with me than the person next to me. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. A lot of times I wish that God would just pay more attention to the, the moron beside me than, than me. And yet every time I'm saying, would you just pay attention to this, this guy? I mean, at least I'm doing better than, than him. Right? He's, he's looking at my heart and looking at me and, and, and seeing how I'm, I'm dealing with 
things in life. Um, he always seems more concerned with, with changing my heart than changing my state of affairs. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes that's maddening. So in verse 13, it kind of takes a, a, a shift. Many people say that verse 12 is, is kind of the, the hinge point, the launching pad, the, the, uh, the scripture that, that he's about to launch into. Um, but verse 13 hits you like a two-by-four across the side of a head, right? It, uh, he just says, verse 13, let me read it. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. To which I think, really? Like, it's kind of a broad statement. Surely you don't mean that. Like, I mean, what about him? And what about her? Like, I want to just kind of remove that because I don't, I, I think Peter was making a statement. He doesn't necessarily know the, the weight or gravity of that I would be receiving it. And surely he doesn't mean my current situation because what I'm going through can't necessarily apply. And I, I titled the message today, For God's Sake. Because if you just look at verse 13, the beginning por- portion of that, we, we, get, we get kind of off kilter because of how he begins that sentence and ends that sentence. But if you look in the middle, it kind of gets to the heart of, of why. He says, essentially, uh, submit yourselves to every human authority. But, but that, there's a center part that he says why. It's for God's sake. And um, we use that term a lot. I don't know, I, I kind of do. Um, your parents probably used it, you know, uh, for God's sake. We, we say it to, um, to kids or to people when they're doing things that we want them to stop, right? We say things like, would you cut that out for God's sake, right? We say that, we, and maybe you're like, oh, I wouldn't say that. It's kind of like taking the Lord's name in vain. Well, then, then you say other things. You say like, for, for Pete's sake. People say that, Right? Or for the love of Pete, right? I don't know. I don't even, does anyone ever say that? For the love of Pete? You say for the love of Pete. Okay, I don't know who Pete is, but, um, but we say that. We say like, for, for, for Pete's sake or for, for God's sake, for the love of Pete, would you, would you cut that out? Essentially, we're telling someone how annoyed we are and appealing to a higher power to kind of um, motivate them to stop it, right? So if my kids are doing something, I'm like, look it, if you don't quit chewing with your mouth open, then God's going to be mad at you. So, you know, would you cut it out for God's sake? In other words, quit doing it because Jesus doesn't like it. And I'm annoyed, right? Let's just be honest. Like, I'm, I'm appealing to a higher authority in order to get you to stop annoying me or doing something that I want you to, 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 to quit. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting because I looked it up, uh, this whole for Pete's sake, for the love of Pete, this, this will help you. Um, some people actually think that 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 term is, is in reference to St. Peter, the author of this letter, which is so kind of crazy because we know that he's up there with a checkboard, you know, at, at the gates of heaven, letting us in or out, you know, that kind of thing. But, but people say, like, well, when, when you say for Pete's sake or for the love of Pete, they're actually referring to St. Peter. And I think that Peter, the author of this letter, would say, don't submit to authority for my sake. Don't do it because I'm telling you to do it. Don't do it for Pete's sake. Do it for God's sake. It's kind of the the heartbeat of of what Peter's communicating. And this is a lot for for a guy like Peter to write. I want you to realize this. Like, if if you've read through the the Bible, you know Peter, also known as as Simon Peter. He was not ever really known for being soft-spoken. 
He was known for being bullheaded, opinionated, outspoken. It's kind of like a bull in a china shop. Like he always just kind of like had a foot and mouth disease and whatever was going on in his head, he would say it and then maybe kind of maybe feel, bo- feel, feel bad about it later. Um, this is the same guy, Peter, that when Jesus was getting arrested, um, he, he literally pulls a sword out of nowhere and tries to cut off the head of a dude, okay? Um, Jesus, they, they come to arrest Jesus. All of a sudden, Peter's like, hi! Like he pulls the sword out of nowhere, tries to cut the head off a dude. The Bible says that it wasn't even a soldier, it was a servant. So it was probably like the only unarmed dude there. And Peter's like, ah, you know, and I'm sure Jesus in that moment is like, dude, first of all, where'd he get the sword? Because we never see anything about Peter or any of the other guys just walking around with swords all day. All of a sudden, Peter's got a sword, pulls it out of nowhere. Jesus is like, what in the world are you doing? So Peter flings wildly, I don't know what he did. Aims for the cut off the guy's head, just cut slices off his ear. You can read it for yourself. The, the ear falls on the ground, and Jesus is like, for Pete's sake, you know what I mean? He just like slaps the ear back on his head. I'm, I'm sure he probably had to give it a little, hold on. There we go, just to make sure that it was on there right and it wasn't off kilter and that kind of stuff. But it's this reality that Peter had to learn the hard way what it is that he's writing to these people. This wasn't a natural thing for him. And we see all throughout his life and throughout the Gospels that that this was certainly a difficult lesson that he had to learn personally, and he learned it by watching Jesus. He learned it by watching how his Lord and Savior handled injustice. So, what did he watch Jesus do? He says it for us in verse 22. This is what happened when Jesus was suffering unjustly. This is what happened when he tried to slice off the guy's head and uh, Jesus was like, dude, for, Pete, for Pete's sake, would you, would you cut it out? Like, seriously, this is not what we're doing. This is meant for, this is what I'm supposed to do. It says in verse 22, he committed no sin, Jesus, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he, he made no threats. In other words, he didn't return evil for evil, which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a normal thing that happens on the inside of us. Like when somebody does some evil to me, that just kind of gives me a bit the ability to, to do the same thing back to them. You punch me, I'll, I'll, I'll punch you back. Maybe I may not throw the first punch, but I'll, I'll throw the last one, right? Like it's this, this idea that we return evil for evil. Can I just remind you that the right thing to do is still the right thing to do, even if people around you are doing the wrong thing? <laughs> we say this to our kids, very different when you're speaking to adults. As kids, you know, you're like, yes, I told my kid that the other day. It's, it's very different when we're adults and we make our own decisions and butt out of my business, buddy, right? But the reality is still reality that the right thing to do is still the right thing to do, even if people around us are doing the, the, the wrong thing. Jesus goes on and he says in verse 23, it says, instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, Jesus, in the midst of being unjustly handled. It's like, I got one judge and you're not him. In other words, I'm appealing to to a higher authority. And so Jesus, essentially, when when you're rooted in the judgment of God, then the judgment of man loses its hold on you. Jesus knew at the end of days who his judge was and what God thought of him, what his father thought of him. And so the judgment of man really 
it paled in comparison to the obedience that he had for his dad. And Jesus always had his eye on the bigger picture, always had his eye on the bigger picture. He says this in verse 24. He, bore him, he, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. So Peter's like, hey, because we have this, this example of Jesus, this example to follow, like here is how this applies to difficult relationships that believers in his day found themselves in. And we just happen to have some of the very same difficult relationships in our day. Very difficult. And he hits on three of them. We're going to talk about two of them today, and we'll save the, the third one for, for next week. He talks about unjust authority, unjust masters, and then the third one is imperfect spouses. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll say that for next week. You can only handle so much. So the first one he, he talks about is, and you can read it for yourself. I, I, I implore you to read it for yourself, please. Um, if you're offended, be, be offended at Peter. Um, he says, number one, unjust human authority. How, do you, how did Jesus handle that? How are we to handle that? Verse 13, sub, again, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And what bothers me about this scripture is that Peter does not qualify what type of human authority we're supposed to obey or submit to or honor or respect. He just says submit every authority. It drives me crazy whenever I want God to judge someone or, let's be honest, smite someone. Um, he's always looking at me and my heart more than he is the person next to me, or at least it feels like that. It always feels like he's like... Um, I feel like this question is always rolling around in us, and, and, it, and it should be rolling around in you, which is, whose authority are you under? And how are you handling that? <laughs> whose authority are you under, and how are you handling that? And then the second question is, who are you in authority over? And how are you handling that? I mean, authority issues are, are essentially at the heart of so much of, 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 our, of our lives. Um, because what happens is that we tend to be, we tend to be hypocritical. Um, what I mean by that is that when, when we are in authority, we want people to respect authority, right? You're a mom or a dad, doggone it. When you're in authority, I want people to respect my authority, right? Like I want... I want you to respect that. But when we're under authority, we usually can find a lot of reasons why we don't have to respect authority. It's the kind of the, the hypocritical nature of, of us. It's, it's, it's just real. It's just true. Like when, when you're under an authority that you agree with, you want people to respect that authority. But when you're under an authority that you disagree with, that virtue tends to kind of get neglected on all sides. And I think Peter is reminding us that, that your character as a Christian, your character, needs to run deeper than the most recent elected president, governor, emperor, boss, person. 
And that's kind of at the heart of what Peter is communicating to these, these people. Because there will come a day when you will be under the authority of a moron. You're like, yep. There will come a day when you will be under the authority of a moron. And I think what Peter would be saying, I think what the heart of God is saying to us in this, um, how are you handling that? And here's the crazy flip. There will come a day when you are the moron that people are under. And how do you want them to respond to that? That's a tough one. I, I think that, you know, at the, at the heart of it, that's how we handle it, how we walk through with in, in character and integrity, no matter the situation, whether we agree or disagree, God's like, I'm concerned about your heart. And, it, and, and in this moment, I just feel it. And it's so quiet in here. It's probably really wicked quiet. Or you just change the channel if you're home. But like, it's, but the reality is, is that if we're struggling with this, I want you to understand how much these first century believers were struggling with this. Let me give you a little bit of a back, back story here. Um, this letter was written around 64 AD, which is a heck of a long time ago, right? Like 64 AD, which means, let me give you context here. The emperor that Peter is referring to is the emperor Nero. You may have heard lore, myth, stories about this guy named Nero. Um, he was a despi despicable human being. Um, let me give you a little bit of, of, of background. He, he came up with uh, creative ways, very creative, came up with very creative ways to torture and kill Christians. Um, he would have Christians dipped in tar and used as human torches to light his dinner parties. He uh, it's believed that he lit Rome on fire and then blamed it on Christians and used this as a reason to round us up and uh, have us fed to lions. And this, this is the emperor that Peter is writing to these resident aliens trying to encourage, and he's like, honor the emperor. You, you, are you stinking kidding me right now? Honor Nero? You, what? Like, how in the world am I supposed to show honor to someone who is so very dishonorable? How in the world is that supposed to happen? And I, I just think, like, if we're offended by the Word of God, I just want you to realize, like, as first century Christians um, spread and, and suffering persecution and injustice get this letter, like, we can just burn that sucker, right? I mean, like, are you kidding me right now? Do you even know what you're writing? And then he just moves on. He says, uh, he moves on to not just uh, unjust authority, he says unjust masters. And, and this, this is equally as, as uh, concerning. Verse 18, he says, slaves... In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And many people struggle with the scripture. It's over the years, it's been used and manipulated. To, that's like, well, Peter is condoning slavery. This could not be further from the truth, okay? 
you're like, well, he kind of does. He says, slaves, you know, submit to your masters, all this kind of stuff. But, but let's just back up a second. Peter's whole premise of writing this letter is to encourage God's people who are experiencing injustice, unfair treatment, persecution, suffering. They are, they are not allowed to be in their homeland. They are dispersed all over the place and being persecuted. So in effect, just by bringing it up, just by, just by talking about it in this letter, Peter, Peter is essentially saying slavery is injustice. It's injustice. The Bible's very clear about it. First Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul puts slave traders in the same category as people who murder their parents. So there's no like, oh yeah, I mean, slavery's kind of cool. Like, you know, we're just kind of, yeah, that's, that's kind of... In fact, the, the whole gospel subverts this I, very idea of slavery. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Peter's not agreeing with slavery. He isn't saying, well, Nero's a great guy. He's just a little misunderstood. He's simply addressing the reality that these first century believers are living in. And this, this, is the, this is the rub. Like, he's saying, like, you know, I, I know that you may not be slaves right now. But we live in a day where every single one of us can and will be treated unjustly, unfairly, and even persecuted for our faith. This was true for first century Christians living under a tyrannical government. This is true of slaves. This is true for Christ. This is true for, for you, to some degree. And Peter's point is that no matter what cards you are dealt in life, you can still respond like Christ. He says, verse 21, he says, to this you were called. In other words, like you were born again for this. You're called to this. Called to what? Called to suffer unjust? Like, what are you talking about? He says, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like when you're having, you're in the face of unjust authority? Or what, is, what is God's will for you when you're under an authority that you don't agree with? And Peter tells us, he says it, he lays it out for us in verse 15. He says this, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Have you ever noticed that ignorant and foolish people are, are rather loud? Aren't they? <laughs> On both sides of this, I think it's funny. Um, you're like, yeah, I feel like ignorant people are so loud. Foolish people just won't shut up, will they? Like, you, I, no matter where, you, where you're at in this whole thing, you, it's just like, man, I just wish that I could silence haters. Um, I wish that, that critics would, would, would shut up. And, and how do you do that? Well, Peter's answer is kind of, well, let's just see what he says. He says, he says it in, in verse 15. He says, do good. That's how you silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. I mean, it seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Do good. That, that's how I silence the, the ignorant and foolish people in, in my life. When has doing good ever changed anything? And the Holy Spirit was reminding me of something this week. And it was this. 
He just spoke to my spirit. He just said, that's how Jesus changed the world. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I was like, I looked it up. Acts, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around what? Doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Man. I'm like, what in the world with doing good? How does that change anything? Doesn't he know that like arguing with everybody on Facebook changes everything? That's what changes things, Peter? Well, it was before Facebook, so he didn't realize that this is how you change the world. Arguing. That's how it changes things. He's like, no, no, actually it's doing good. Uh, what, if, what if God's plan was never that the world was supposed to be changed through a kingdom of this world? That was kind of what Jesus was getting at, wasn't it? What if, what if God's plan was that, 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 that the change of the world was never supposed to come through the overthrow of an emperor? I mean, that's what Jesus' disciples wanted him to do, and he's like, you, you're not getting it, you're not understanding. What if it doesn't come through getting, finally, some unbiased news or arguing on social media? Like, what, what, if, what if we dared to believe that it was God with us going around doing good and bringing healing to everybody who was oppressed by the devil? What if that was truly the thing that changed the world? What if division and polarization and dishonoring and arguing doesn't get the desired result? And it doesn't. What if, what if bringing heaven to earth the way that Jesus did is what changes the world? Because the culture of the kingdom of God has always been upside down to the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Always. Always. I, like, you want to change things, I think what Peter would say is like, be filled with God and do good to those who are oppressed by the devil. Bring healing, bring hope, bring deliverance. Because the change that you seek is not going to happen through a change of the kingdom of this world. It will bring, it will happen when the kingdom of God is brought down to the kingdom of this world. And Jesus changes the hearts of men. And he says in verse 16, he goes on, he says, he says, live as free people. <laughs> and then he, then there's the sticker. He says, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And he's like, he's like, live free, be free, you're free. You're not under the, you know, the, 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 you're under one God, right? And he is your judge who judges justly. But here's the thing, your freedom should never be flaunted. You are set free in order to set other people free. So don't lose the message in the middle of the mayhem. This is what you were born again for. Your responsibility is not to point people to the right or point people to the left. Your responsibility is to point them up and to bring heaven to earth. And when we try to get into thinking that I know what I need to do is I need to change the kingdom of this world and that will bring about the kingdom of heaven, we are sorely off topic, off mission, and off point. Our job solely as Christians is to bring heaven to earth because that is the only thing that brings lasting change. Are you pointing people to Jesus? 
Because church, life is too short and eternity is way too long to have our political identity our primary identity. Life is way too short and eternity is way too long to not be about what we should be about. And Peter's next verse is like a summary in verse 17 of like how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as resident aliens. He just like lays it out. He says, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. And he just kind of breaks it down. He's like, "Um, show respect to who? Everyone? What about people who don't deserve it? What about people who are wrong? What about people who are offensing, offensive to me? What about people that I disagree with? Uh, are they everyone? Yeah, everyone. You're supposed to show proper respect to everyone. And, and I think the thing that we sometimes get mixed up is that respecting and honoring everyone doesn't mean that you agree with everyone. Did you know that? If you're, if you're married, you understand this completely. Respecting, submitting, and honoring your spouse does not mean that you agree with them all the time. What it means is that you treat them with proper respect. What it means, like, when I'm in a fight with my wife, um, and I may win the argument, but I never actually win. Did you know that? And if you've been married, you're a husband, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can go sit on your throne all by yourself in the other bedroom, right? Because you won, right? Because I won the argument. Ha ha! Yay! Because it is always about that relationship. Even when you win, you never actually win. And as Christians, in a world that desperately needs Jesus, the goal is not to win arguments. The goal is to win a person. A person of Christ. And and, and our goal is not to win arguments for Jesus, but to win people to Jesus. He's the change agent. And when we're more concerned about winning arguments than winning souls for Christ, then we're off mission. Like I said, we're equal opportunity offender today. But there's something, I hope, that rings in your spirits that is true as a Christian today. He goes on, he says, show proper respect to everyone, and then he writes, love the family of believers. I love that. He's like, you should cherish the family of God, your brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible actually says to prefer one another above yourselves. I think it's honestly, the church is kind of like a practice ground. It's a training facility for the real world, right? Because if you cannot prefer one another above yourself within the family of God, uh, you're probably going to struggle a little bit doing it outside of the church. (laughs) He's like, he's like, Love the family of God. Cherish the family of God. And then he writes these these two statements at the end. Fear God, honor the emperor. Which I think honestly are way too close together. He should have just like put a period, moved on to another thing. But he says, fear God, honor the emperor. And I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit, really? Like those two things right next to each other seem like an oxymoron. Because as believers, the ultimate authority that you have is to God. Ultimate authority is God. Fear God. Not in a, oh my gosh, he might smite me, oh mighty smiter. No, I fear God. In in other words, he has the last word on my life. He does. 
Peter knew this all too well. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Peter and the other apostles were, were told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And this is what Peter says in Acts chapter 5. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. So, so this same Peter who stands up to these, 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 uh, this government that's saying, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore, we're going to put you in jail, he stands up to them and says, look, um, I'm sorry that you don't like what I'm doing, but uh, we must obey God rather than human beings. This is the same guy that 63, 64 AD writes this letter and he's like, honor every human authority. What? How do you do both of these things? We know that honoring a human authority is not putting the will of a human authority before God's authority. God is your ultimate authority. Every day of the week. It doesn't mean that we don't honor and respect and the authorities that, that have been placed over us as, as humans. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say worship the emperor. He doesn't say vote for the emperor he doesn't say agree with the emperor. He just says honor. Honor the emperor. Which is, which is sometimes a really difficult thing for us to do. That honoring the emperor doesn't mean that we shouldn't speak out against evil or injustice either. In fact, I believe that as Christians, we have the right and the responsibility to speak out against injustice. It's part of our calling. God, all throughout the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, he's always coming to the aid of two groups of people, time and time again, widows and orphans. Widows and orphans, widows and orphans. You come into the aid of widows and orphans. Why is he, is he just focused on widows and orphans? Not necessarily that they were the only people group that needed help. They were just the only people group in that time that needed the people of God to come around them and come to their aid and to care for them and advocate for them and to, and to help them get a leg up. So, so time and time again, we look throughout the, the entire Bible and, and God is always coming to the aid of evil and injustice. Because it is always about the heart. Always. This is a tough one. And I think it probably hits us all in different places, wherever we're at. My prayer is that the Word of God finds a place to land in your heart. And that whatever it is that God's wanting to make, shake, break, or mold, that, that you're willing to say, okay, then there is something in me that, that needs to be about my Father's business. I don't want to do things for Pete's sake. I don't want to do things for Justin's sake. I want to do things for God's sake. And so, Lord, I'm willing. Speak to me, Lord. Why don't you stand with me? He says, um, he says, so honor uh, human authority and yet fear God, the ultimate authority. I want to leave you with something because uh, rather than just dropping the bomb and being like <laughs> 13 through 25, wow, have a good week. Um, uh, what does it look like to do both? I've been asking the Lord that. Lord, how do I do both of those in a day and age where, where I agree with some and disagree wholeheartedly with others? Um, how do I honor human authority and yet realize that you are 
the one to be feared. You are the ultimate authority. And, uh, and I really think that when we hold this tension, like how, how do you do both at the same time? Usually not well. <laughs> Let me be honest. Usually not well. So what does it look like? Well, it looks weird. I'll tell you that. We've been talking a lot about being weird, different, resident aliens. Let me just tell you, you put this into practice, you're going to be weird. You will look like no one else up and down your street. I don't care what flavor or persuasion or political leaning they are, you're going to look wicked weird, dude. And yet weird is what God calls us to. Holding this tension makes you weird because our, our world doesn't has no room for this. You've got to be one or the other. You've got you to pick a side. Are you pro-emperor or anti-emperor? What do you, what, 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 where do you land? And I think, you know, when you know how you can hold these things in tension is when you're able to praise the good of an authority even while criticizing the bad. Even while... Criticizing the bad decision of an emperor, something you disagree with, you can still praise the good that they are doing. You're like, I don't see much. Well, you might see something. So be weird. Not for Pete's sake. For God's sake, be weird. I encourage you that in this day and age, what we're currently doing isn't working. Have you noticed? So maybe, maybe at the heart of what Peter is encouraging us to do is, man, it rises up against me. <laughs> I don't like this message, but I know I need it. I know there's something in it for me. I know there's something in it that God wants to shift and to change. So I've been praying this all week, and it's just a, just a prayer that I feel like I can wholeheartedly say, even though I may not be there fully, I can wholeheartedly pray this. And you can pray this with me yourself, but I, it's just a few lines, and I've just, I literally been praying this every day. I've been saying this, God, help me to honor my authorities. Help me to speak out truth and injustice. Help me to point people to Jesus. Give me a humble and submissive heart for your sake. Help the leaders over us to make wise decisions and bring them to faith in Jesus. Lord, we realize that you are our only hope. If that's really true, then that's really true in our world. And so, God, we want to point people to you. I pray that we would bring heaven to earth. I pray that we would go around doing good and delivering, bringing healing to those that are oppressed by the devil. I pray that signs and wonders would follow those who believe. I pray that love would precede it. And God, that, that you would change the world because that's always been at the heart of your mission. It's never been worldly government. It doesn't mean we don't vote. It doesn't mean we don't protest. It doesn't even mean that we don't speak up against things. And it doesn't mean that we agree with everything. It, but we know that the only true hope that we have is in you. And, and that's been proven time and time again. And so Lord, we, we submit to you as our ultimate authority. Jesus, help us to, to live out 
your word, with your example, and uh, to be more and more like you. Make us, mold us, break us, and shake us. And Lord, as we, as we honor you today, I pray that as we lift your word, your name up, as we, as we honor you today, we praise you. We, we exalt your name above any other name. We sang it today that, that your name is unlike any other name. Unlike any other name of any official, elected or otherwise, any, any other human authority, you are the ultimate. So Jesus, we honor you above all. We lift you up. We lift you up. We worship you, God. Have your way in this place as we worship you today. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing together. <laughs>